0: Good morning once again, good morning to those who are joining us online those of you who couldn 't uh, couldn 't recover from whatever you did last night uh, thank you uh, for tuning in whenever it may be um, to our volunteers who uh, watch online as well we 're grateful uh, for that this morning um, man you guys ready for his word Digging yeah. deep to bring you bring your Bibles with you this morning i mean, yeah. got them. bring it on they say oh it 's good because I thought you know it 's new year 's day maybe we got to go a little tame, but uh, uh, I, and I tried, but, the, but 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 the the Lord didn't let me, and neither did my wife. She was like, "No, no, you got to preach what's on uh, what He puts on your heart." So, man, we want to uh, help people find Christ and find community and get used to opening this book and allowing our hearts to be open to what's in it. So, it's 2023, and uh, we're beginning a new series today um, based on an old proverb. It's uh, um, just a test at the end, but the proverb is this, that you give a man a fish, you feed him for a day, you teach a man to fish, and you feed him for a lifetime. Um, no show of hands this morning, but uh, do you think that's in the Bible? Think that came from the Bible or not? Some are like, no, some are like, I don't Maybe. Um, that's what we want to try and address through this series is that you could answer these kind of things with confidence, knowing what's in there and what, uh, what is not. Um, but this proverb, I just want to title this series called Teach a Man to Fish. You give a man uh, a fish, you feed him for the day. You teach him to fish, you feed him for a lifetime. And as I was preparing for this, it reminded me of fishing and it reminded me of a time way, way back uh, when a guy named Bob DeVries, who is uh, here with us this morning, and uh, I told him today's sermon is about Jesus and Bob, and you will uh, hear that name quite often. Um, But Bob invited me to go fishing. And uh, he's like, You gotta come with us, man. Like, we go up north, and it's way up north in the backwoods. There's no power, there's no toilets. It's awesome. And I'm like, Bob, you don't know me. (laughs) Like, if you listen to the sermons, you would know that I hate camping, I absolutely hate the taste of fish. I have no patience for watching a bobber just waiting for a sunfish to take my worm away. Uh, I love my bed. I love running water. I love real toilets. I know that sounds weird, but I'm like, this is a hard pass for me. I am not interested in fishing at all. And uh, I thought that was a done deal, but he was persistent (laughs) and he would continue to ask me. And so I reluctantly agreed to prove him wrong that I was pretty sure I was going to hate and I agreed to go. And so they told us the day this is when we're going. And I showed up with a suitcase. Uh, and uh, they, they, yeah, yeah, they did this. They laughed at me. And, uh, and they're like, he picks it up. He's like, what is in there? Like, this thing is so heavy. I'm like, well, I didn't know. I packed, like, everything from spring to summer to winter attire. I had glass dishes. I just grabbed some. And, and uh, he's like, those aren't going to make it. And, and I had flip-flops. And he's like I, like, I told you water shoes. And I was like, these aren't water. He's like, I hope you come back alive. Right. And they, they laughed. And then as we sat around camp, I looked at my like Canadian tire or Walmart fishing rod. And I was like, anybody got any string for my, for my real? Yeah. And that's what they, they did that. They started laughing at me. I was like, what? And they're like, it's called line. Uh, nobody fishes with string. And I was like, uh, okay, fine, fine. And, and so then we went out and out in the boat and I opened up my tackle box and Bob looks and he's like, well, no wonder you don't catch anything. It's full of dollar store lures. And he's like, this is, this is, this is not going to work. It probably never works. And, 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 then, and then he introduced me to the MEPS Comet 4 with little hair on the hooks. And I was like, what is this? And he's like, just try it and uh so then bob taught me how to cast he's like yeah just cast towards the places where there was logs in the water he says that's where the fish like to hide and i would cast and he's like no that was close but he'd cast like a few feet further and boom something would take it every time i'd cast and he'd go a little further he's like you'll get it one day you'll you'll know you got to get the distance right and he would uh, he would he would teach me, and then as we uh, nothing was happening right away, and then we get to the other places, and it's like you know uh, he, he, when do we start catching fish? He's like, well, it would help if you put your line in the water. Like you're not going to catch anything with it just hanging out in the boat. And so I'm like, okay, fine. And he, he promised me it was going to happen. And then there was that moment when I cast out that line, and all of a sudden, like a real fish <laughs> took the bait. And I'm reeling in, and I'm fighting. Like, I've never seen the rod bend before. And I was like, this is something. And fishing in and reeling in these fish. And, man, I was hooked. I was hooked. And I was like, as I thought about it, I was like, man, it was a sacrifice. Like, there was no video games up there. There was no cell phones. There was no anniversary uh, that I was supposed to celebrate with my wife that year. Uh, but it was worth it. You know, like, uh, there is the sacrifices that had to be made in the following year. I'm like, when I, when I hear about the fishing trip, I'm like, man, Jesse, like you got to come try this. Matt Rose, Derek Knight, you got to try this. Just telling people, man, you got to try this. The experience of fishing, the experience of man being hooked. And so I want you to keep that story in mind as we go through the next number of Of weeks, but as uh, as I thought and prepped about that, as a pastor, I get asked a lot of questions. I I get asked actually the same questions a lot of times. For instance, these are some of the some of the popular ones. Like, or they'll they'll make statements like, "I want God to talk to me," like I want to hear His voice. Maybe that's not a question, but that statement. Like, how how do you hear His voice? How do you know what's actually true? Like, how do you know what's truth and what's not? What's what's God's will for my life? You know how how come He doesn't answer my prayers? And, and, and how do you know what God's like? And, and how do you have, like you talk about relationship with God. How do you have a relationship with God? And I, and I often think to myself when they ask these questions, I'm like, the answers to all of those questions are actually very easy. How do they not know this? And then I began to just ponder that thought. How, how, how do we not know this? And I realized that all of those answers are simply and easily found in Scripture, when I think of Scripture, what it says, you think about Second Timothy three verse sixteen. Here's what uh, I'm just going to read a bunch of them. If you, you, you should probably take notes this morning. Uh, just grab a piece of paper, write it on the guy's back behind, in front of you, whatever. Just it's it's going to be worth it. He'll thank you later. Second Timothy three sixteen verse seventeen says this: All Scripture is inspired by God. Paul's saying, to Timothy, man, he's like it's all useful. What does it do? It teaches us what's true. you want to know what's true? He says, go to the, the originator of truth. He says, it makes us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong. It teaches us to do what's right. And God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. And I thought, man, here you got a bunch of those bullet points. What's true? You know, Jesus said in John 17, 17, as he prayed, he said, Lord, make these disciples, make them holy by your truth and teach them your word, which is truth. He's like, man, you want to know truth? It's like your word is truth. And then he says it t- tells us what's wrong. And you know that thing? Like we don't often like hearing somebody from the outside tell us what's wrong. Well, the word's even better. It gets to the inside. Hebrews 4 verse 12 describes it this way. For the word of God, it's alive and it's powerful. This is not just a book. It meddles with us. It gets right in here. He says, it's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. It cuts between the soul and the spirit, between the joint and the marrow, and it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. As you begin to read this, it's like, hey, let me tell you what's really going on inside there. You know, you, you think that, like, you've got everything going on. There's a little bit of bitterness there, and I just want to expose that for your good. I want to expose some of this unforgiveness in there because, man, your life will be better if you let that stuff go. You know, you think you're generous, but let me just, you know, this little spot here that just t- shows that this, these possessions, they, they actually have you. It says it, it digs in there, shows us what's, what's wrong. Then Psalm 9, 119, the whole psalm is just about the word. But in verse 9, it talks about how it shows us what's right. How can a young person stay pure? Man, what a great question to ask in a day like an age like we live in. How, how, how do we actually live this life the way we're supposed to? And it says what? By obeying your word. Man, by knowing what's in here and living it, and you think about this thing, relationship, how do I have a relationship with God? What's that supposed to be like? Do I close my eyes and try and see Jesus? Do I like pray and silently listen? Like, wh- how, what is this? I, how do I have a relationship with someone I can't see? You know, they, they've known about this from the time that uh, Jesus left the planet that this might be a, a, a difficult thing. And so... John, in one of his later letters, it's actually 2 John verse 9, there's, there's, no, there's just one chapter. John says this, anyone who wanders away from this teaching, which he's mentioning the teachings of Jesus, has no relationship with God. He, he says, this is what the relationship looks like. If you wander away from Jesus' teaching, you're out of relationship with him. It says, uh, and then he goes on and just says the opposite. Anyone who remains in the teaching of Christ... Anyone whose life remains in that has a relationship with both the father and the son. And so Jesus, or sorry, John is actually reiterating what Jesus had told him years and years and years ago, uh, right before he was crucified. We find it in John 15, verse seven, he says this, if you remain in me, Jesus says to them, and my words remain in you. He's like, this is, this is how that relationship, that word's got to be in here for relationship to be happening. He says, you can ask for anything you want and it'll be granted. And people are like, well, I love the second part. But that doesn't happen without the first part. It doesn't happen unless we're like, Jesus, I want your word in me. Because we'll say these things like, I want a relationship with God, but then not do what he actually calls us to do. I want to hear God's voice, but not actually give him an opportunity to speak. Psalm one verse two says this, and this is what what Jesus was actually clarifying to the disciples that night. Is this that that the he's he's talking about those who are blessed? He says they delight in the law, which they would have understood to be the word of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. He's like this is this is what it's all about. And, and I sometimes wonder if it's that clear in scripture that, man, this is how you know his will. This is how you know who he is. This is how you have relationship with him. This is how you get find the answers to your prayers. This is all of that. If, if, if it's so clear in scripture, why do so few people know that? And then I began to look at polls. And I've, I've always you know, been interested in polls. Uh, and uh, the polls consistently show that most Christians pray. And if I would to ask around this room today, how many of you are Christians? They get a lot of hands. How many of you pray regularly or at least sometimes? You'd probably get most of the hands in the room because the most Christians pray. But the, the, uh, the, also the, the statement is that most Christians don't read the Bible. Most. So if you're sitting in this room you're like, oh, yeah, I don't know. I haven't read it this year. Well, you're okay yet. But maybe you're like, I didn't read it last year either, right? Well, yeah, you're the ones we're talking about, right? In 2020, the State of the Bible poll, there's a poll called State of the Bible. Here's what they found. 9% of people who said they're Christians said we read it every day. Out of a room of 100 here, 9. Who's the 9? No, I'm just kidding. So... (laughs) Because we don't want to do the We'll take that. Me and Lily. Then there's, a three, there's 3% who said we read it at least four times plus a week. 9% said we read it once a week. It's usually in church, right? It's like, oh, okay. Hey, I'm in, right? Uh, and then, you know, there was 9% who said once a month. And 34% of people who said, I'm a Christian, never read the Bible at all that year outside of church. One out of every three of you. I'm not saying you. I'm just saying in general that's problematic, you know, because reading the Bible is not what makes you a Christian, but it's what Christians do. Let me say it again. Reading the Bible doesn't make you a Christian, but it is what Christians do. And, um, you know, I thought about maybe, why is it so low? Why is it, why is this such a low percentage? I thought maybe it's because they don't actually want to do it. And then we'll call your bluff for people who say, oh, I want to hear God's voice. Do you read his word? because then you really don't want to hear his voice. Oh, I I really want to know God's will for my life. I'm praying, and I'm asking for a sign. Man, Those people crack me up, because I had guys like, should I marry this girl or not? Jesus, give me a sign. And then he drove past a church that had a sign that said, get on your knees and pray. And he's like, that was my sign. Like, you're going to have a really, really rough life if you live based on those kind of signs. And then it's like, God, why did you lead me astray? No, you never went to his word to hear his voice. So did you really want it? And, and I would say that I'm going to go with the other. I, maybe it's not that they don't want it. Maybe they just don't know how to read it. And I'm going to go with that. Paul told the Ephesians that pastors and teachers are actually supposed to train and teach people the work of the ministry. It's up to us to equip people on how to do this. And so for this year, man, my, my whole job today is I don't want to give you a fish today. I don't want to be like, oh, that was a good sermon. Because Like I said, I don't know if it is. What I want to give you today is something that you say, man, I can take this home and I can do this tomorrow and I can do it the next day and the next day and the next day and give God opportunity to like blast into your life, the almighty, all powerful, all knowing one that he might have our hearts. Man, anything can happen this year. That should have been amen. All right, let's move on. <laughs> today, too late. Today I, want to <laughs> today, I want to give you the opportunity that a guy named Bob gave to me. Not to go fishing, but to go digging, you know. And so the same things, the same principles apply, you know, as he invited me to go. And it was, it was somebody who had been there, who had experienced it, who says, man, I know what it's like, and I think you're going to like it. Would you consider coming along? And for those of you who read scripture, would you, would you take a lesson from Bobby and say, hey, I, I feel like I probably should invite some other people to experience this. I'm not going to just do this alone. I'm going to be an inviter. And for those of you who are like, man, I'm really new to this. I, 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 I don't read the Bible every day. Would you consider being invited today? Would you, you know, t- uh, come under somebody's wing or take someone under your wing and help them? You know, we are never meant to do these things alone. That's why Jesus invited disciples. And those disciples invited disciples. And Paul invited others, come follow me. And so today the question is, how about you? Will you accept that invitation to dive into his word every day this year? Like, yes, like, I really do want to know you every day. Second, will you accept the humorous correction? The humorous correction, you know, when uh, Bob would tell me, you ain't going to catch anything with those lures. I could have been like, fine, I'm going home. (laughs) It would have been a long walk. (laughs) But can I say this? When it comes to this, if you're just one of those people who does verse of the day, man, you got dollar store lures. I'm telling you, you're probably not going to catch anything deep. You're probably not going to have anything life-changing if all you do is the daily verse of the day. I mean, that's like the lowest rung on the ladder, but it's just to get maybe one step further. And some of you are like, oh, shoot, that was my, I read the Bible every day. <laughs> Man, can I just humorously tell you that, you know, it, what happens mostly for that? reminded me of Bob when we were fishing. There's this other guy. Thank goodness, was another guy. He's fishing with them. And, and uh, Bob's like, you know, here, try these wiggly worms. They work great. And the guy's like, well, how do I put them on the hook? And so he gives the, you know, he's like, Bob's like, well, show, sh- sh- hand the hook over here. And he hands the hook, and he says, so this is how you put it on. And then Bob takes the wiggly worm off so he, the other guy can learn and hands it over to him. He's like, oh, thanks, and tosses the worm overboard. No hook. <laughs> Straight to the bottom. Davy Jones locker. You know, and that's where... It gets, it gets forgotten forever. That is your daily verse for most people. I'm just being honest. You like, you read it, you think, oh, and it's gone. It's gone. It was never meant to be that. And if you're honest, that's probably how your daily verse goes, forgotten. So would you accept that humorous correction? Would you accept the instruction, you know, Bob would tell me, get that line in the water. You ain't catching anything if it's in the bottom of the boat. And if you really want to hear God speak to you, you've got to give him opportunity. You have to give him opportunity. Would you, would you um, give him the opportunity of saying, I'll be in your word every day so that you have the opportunity to speak into my heart and to my life? You know, the Bible... The Bible collecting dust on the shelf does not give him that opportunity. Coming to church and just hearing a sermon doesn't really give him that opportunity. You might hear my words, you might get this little thing, but it's not what his design was. You know, I, re- I found amazing is that I've, as I do this every single day, and I don't do it as part of my paid thing. I just, it's just me and the Lord. Lord, I want to know you. It's crazy how many times verses I'll read in the morning come back out in a conversation later that day. When somebody's like, hey, man, I'm going through all of this. My advice to them isn't Mark's greatest thoughts. It's his word. Man, what do they need? <laughs> Not Mark's greatest thoughts. Man, they need his word. I had one guy this week, and he was just talking to me about how, man, it's such a struggle. And, you know, it's like, man, this, I didn't realize life was going to be this difficult at this stage. And I was like, you know what I read today? I was reading Philippians where Jesus, uh, where Paul writes to the believer and says, man, you guys have the privilege of trusting in him. And he's like, oh, amen, brother. We have the privilege of trusting him. It's like, I'm not done. Neither was Paul. He says, you also have the privilege of suffering for him. It's like, what? The privilege. The privilege of suffering for him. I got the privilege of trusting him. But man, I got the privilege of suffering with him. We don't see it the same way. And he's like, man, I needed to hear that. Well, what happens if I'm not, you know, if I'm just doing the daily verse of the day in the morning, Man, they miss that moment. God wants to move through you. I don't know if you realize, it's not because it's me, the pastor. It's just being a believer. He wants to do the same through you, through you. And then the next one, just asking the questions. You know, when you read scripture, and I mean read every day with someone else. Here's the, with, here's the reason it's with someone else is you have a chance to ask questions. You know, asking, hey, anybody got any extra string? <laughs> They're like, uh, let, me, let me help you with that. It's, it's not that. But there's no dumb questions. The dumb thing is just simply to not ask any. I mean, I love reading through the the Bible, um, doing the Bible plan with people and people have never read the Bible and they ask these great questions. They're not great because they're like these amazing questions. They're great because they cause us all to dig a little deeper and we all grow as a result. And then the last two here, the sacrifice, it's gonna take time. It's gonna take some time, maybe 10 to 30 minutes a day. You're like, I don't have that much time. Then you are way too busy. But think about this. Who gave you that time? Man, the God of all creation gifted you with all of that time. Have you ever thought of, man, I can use that time to build the relationship with him? It's his gift to me. Maybe this is my return and my gift to him. How are you investing the most, the most valuable asset you have? How are you investing it, your time? Can I tell you this? When you look back, you'll be glad you did. You really will. You'll be glad you did. And then finally, The opportunity. So today, maybe you're listening online. I don't care what day it is. Like, people are like, man, it's January 1st. I'm going to start a reading plan because it's January 1st. It doesn't matter what day it is. My encouragement is that today is the day to, to take the opportunity, the invitation to take a step. And so I don't want to assume that people have experience with this. Some of you do. Some of you don't. And I, and I want to set the rung so low that every single person could jump on board. That as Bob invited me to go fishing, maybe that I can invite him to come along and read Scripture every single day. Let's just set the rung wherever we can. So here's the how, and man, did, uh, we'll see how this goes. I don't typically do this, and so prayers for our media team to work along with this one. But let's, let's give you a little taste of the how today. Number one, get the YouVersion Bible app. If you don't have it, just go to the, you just go to, um, go to the app store. We got number one up there? No, oh, it's a different number one. That's why, you got, Sorry. That's it. So go, go to the, uh, go to, go to the app store. This is what it looks like. See that little red box? You can even do it right now. We'll allow you on the free Wi-Fi. Same for you at home. Use free Wi-Fi on me. Uh, <laughs> download that app. And then next it's free by the way, the Dutch people are like name it. All right. So then open, <laughs> then open the app and you'll see a page like this. And if you look down at the bottom, there's a little thing that says plans. And if you click on the plans, Then it brings you to the next uh, site, which gives you the opportunity to find plans. And so at the top there, click on the find plans spot, and that'll open up a search bar. And simply on the search bar, this is what it looks like. So the next slide just shows you as you're searching, just type in Bible Project. If you can't keep up, watch this again later. Bible Project, and it'll bring up a whole bunch. All of the, these guys from the Bible Project, I, I've done so many of them, but go down to where it starts showing 365 days, right about there, and, and then take a look down here. You got, you got the, you know, there's the very bottom, it talks about how you can, uh, how it all points to Jesus, but it's the whole Bible. That might be a big step. So I'd suggest going to the New Testament in one year. And if you click on that one, Uh, it's going to give you the chance to to start a plan. And so I would encourage you, once you click on that, it's something that's manageable, click on start plan. So I think, yeah, there you go. And then you click on start plan. Only one person in your group has to do this. Because the very next question they ask you is, how are you going to do this? So you click the next thing, and it's going to ask, you know, with friends or without. You all have friends. And if you don't, this is a great way to make some. But find some people and be like, man, who am I going to do this with? And and so then your next slide says to choose a start date. When am I going to do it? Pick today, pick a few days from now. And then there's that little spot there where you can invite friends. And uh, if you click on that, it'll give you the list of all the people who are your friends on uh, the Bible app. But don't go and invite the whole list. (laughs) Lily, you need to slow down. You've all been invited. My suggestion is this, though. Who are the people you're already doing life with? Like the Amazing Grace. Why doesn't one of you start and say, hey, let's do this plan together. I'm going to invite the Amazing Grace because we already get together outside. So we're going to do this. What about if it's the BFF group from, uh, you know, youth group? You know who you are. You know, it's like, man, we're going to do this together. What if it's a men's group? I mean, you're already seeing each other. Why not invite each other to say, hey, let's read through the New Testament. Let's be in Scripture every day. Why not do it as a family? Say, man, I don't really have any friends, but i got family. Why don't we do that together? And then think of that list. And then instead of doing that, go to the next slide. You just click on this little link button in the, in the corner. And then you can email or text those people and send them a thing. And what happens when, when you do that? Uh, I'll show you. This is how I invited my favorite friend. Clicked it there, uh, so it's, it's automatically sent. There she is. Oh, man, she's super awesome. So then I send this to Beth Vanderwer and boom, there it goes. And then when she receives it, this is what it looks like. Very simple. She gets one of these, she clicks it, it brings her here and says, hey, your favorite friend wants to read this plan with you. Uh-huh. Accept invitation. Boom, you're in. So, so simple. And then you just go back to the app. You begin the plan. You can add some more friends if you want to. Number 15 is day one of the plan. Day one of the plan. Many of the plans have like a a devotional. And, And not all of them do. But the reason why I like this particular plan is because these guys help give you some context of what you're reading. So many people are like, I don't know what I'm reading. And they read random verses from all over. And it's like nothing makes sense. And they're like, hey, let's, let's help you with that. And so today, because I actually want you to do day one. And then, man, you're like, you're, you've done it for today. Here's the, here's the thing. Let's, let's take a, uh, a look at this devotional link. So you click on the, the link. It's going to bring you to a screen like this, which has a YouTube link. You click on that. And, uh, man, be prepared to be amazed. Put your thinking caps on. It's good. The New Testament.
1: If you open up a Bible to its table of contents, you'll see it's made up of two large collections, the Old and New Testaments. The word testament refers to a covenant partnership, which is what both of these collections are all about. They tell one epic and complicated story of God's covenant partnership with Israel and all humanity. The Old Testament is called Tanakh in Jewish tradition. It's a unified scroll collection of 39 Israelite texts that were over a thousand years in the making. In contrast, the 27 books of the New Testament all came into existence within 30 to 40 years of each other. They were all written by first-generation followers of Jesus. From an early period, Christian communities began collecting these texts and reading them alongside the Old Testament as one unified story that leads to Jesus. The New Testament begins with four narrative books that together are called the Gospel. They tell the story of Jesus of Nazareth's life, death, and resurrection as an announcement of good news. They are followed by a fifth narrative work called Acts of the Apostles. Here the risen Jesus commissions the Apostles, a word that means the sent ones. They are appointed as Jesus' representatives to spread the good news about him throughout the ancient world. After Acts comes a collection of letters from the Apostles. These were written to provide teaching and guidance for local communities of Jesus' followers called churches. There are 13 letters connected to the Apostle Paul and they are not arranged in the order of when they were written but rather from the longest to the shortest. Then there is a the letter to the Hebrews written by a close but unnamed associate of the Apostles. After this are the letters of James, Jude, Peter and John. Two were brothers of Jesus and two were among his first followers. The last New Testament book is the Revelation, a letter to seven churches that reveals a prophetic word of challenge and comfort to all of Jesus' followers. So those are the books of the New Testament, but what are they about? And how do they connect with the Old Testament to make up one unified story? Think of it this way. The Bible is one long epic narrative with multiple movements or acts. The Old Testament recounts the first series of acts that give you everything you need to make sense of the story to follow. The core themes and the plot conflict are arranged in design patterns. And then in the New Testament these are all picked up and carried forward to the story's culmination in Jesus. Let me show you what I mean. The first act is about God and all humanity. God provides a sweet garden temple for humans who are made to be God's partners in ruling the world. But the humans are foolish and they give in to a dark temptation and rebel against God's wisdom. So they are exiled into a wilderness where they start killing each other. They build cities that spread their selfishness and oppression leading up to the big bad city of Babylon. But God loves the world and its foolish humans so he sets in motion a rescue plan by promising the arrival of a new human who will destroy the evil that has lured us into self-destruction. The next act of the biblical story is about God and Israel and it develops the themes and patterns of the first act. God calls a new humanity out of Babylon into a sweet garden land, Abraham, Sarah and his descendants the Israelites. God promises that through them, divine blessing will be restored to all of the nations. Surely these are the new humans that we are waiting for. But the Israelites repeat humanity's rebellion against God, building their own violent cities that lead to self-destruction and another exile in Babylon. But God sustains his promise that the new human will come from Abraham's lineage. It will be a priest-king who will now have to rescue both Israel and humanity from Babylon to restore God's blessing to the world. Now, notice how these two acts are designed according to the same pattern. The second act is a longer and more violent version of the first. And together they explore the tragic human condition. But they also highlight God's promise, which is developed more in the next act, the Old Testament prophets and poets. The prophets accused Israel and all nations of their evil. And they announced that one day God himself would arrive to bring the day of the Lord and deliver his world from Babylon. He would do it through a promised royal priest who is going to suffer like a slave and die for the sins of Israel and all humanity. But then he will be exalted as king over the nations. He will call others to leave Babylon and join the new covenant people who will partner with God to rule over a new Jerusalem, that is, over a new creation. And so the Old Testament concludes by anticipating a new act in the story. And when you turn to the New Testament, it is the same story now being carried forward in Jesus. Let us see how. The four Gospel accounts introduce Jesus of Nazareth, both as the promised son of Abraham who will restore God's blessing to the nations, and also as that new human who will defeat evil and restore humanity to partnership with God. So, Jesus is portrayed as a human and more. He went about announcing the arrival of God's promised kingdom, and he spoke and acted as if he was Israel's divine king. But instead of calling himself king, Jesus referred to himself as the son of man, that is, the human one who would act like a servant. The Gospels are making the claim that in Jesus, Israel's God has become the faithful Israelite and the true human that we are all made to be but have failed to be. Jesus' mission was to confront that dark evil that lurks underneath humanity's evil, luring us into selfishness, violence, and death. But how do you defeat that kind of evil? The surprising answer in the Gospels is that Jesus overcame our evil by allowing it to kill him on his paradoxical throne, the cross, where Jesus died for humanity's evil and sin. And it's where he lived out what he taught that nonviolence, forgiveness, and self giving love are the most powerful things in the universe. And because God's love for his world is stronger than evil or death, Jesus was raised to new life as the prototype of a new humanity. And this brings us to the story of Acts. Through the Spirit, God empowers Jesus' followers to spread the life and love of Jesus out into the world as they invite people to leave their old humanity and join Jesus' multi-ethnic family, the new humanity. This is where the letters from the Apostles fit into the story. Here the Apostles address early Christian communities and they show how the good news about the risen King Jesus changed history and should reshape every part of our lives. They also explained the good news by constantly appealing to stories from the Old Testament and the stories Stories of Jesus, showing us how to see our own life stories as part of the epic biblical story. So all humanity is trapped in a Babylonian exile, but Jesus came to create a new home. We're all living in different kinds of Egyptian slavery to selfishness and sin, but Jesus died as the Passover lamb to liberate us into the promised land. Our old humanity is bound for the dust of death, but Jesus' resurrection opened up a new future for a new humanity. We live here in the current evil age, but through Jesus and the Spirit, a new creation has burst open here and now. And this leads us to the book of Revelation, where the whole biblical story comes together in powerful symbolism and imagery. Jesus is portrayed as a slaughtered, bloody lamb who is exalted as the divine king of the world. He's leading his people out of slavery and exile in Babylon. And as they resist Babylon's influence, they may have to suffer alongside their slain leader. But when you follow the risen king, not even death can prevent the dawn of the new creation, which is here depicted as a new Jerusalem garden temple, the true home of humanity after its long exile. And so on the Bible's last page, heaven and earth are reunited and the new humans take up their appointed task from the Bible's first page to rule the world together in the love and power of God. The New Testament is a remarkable collection of documents. They represent the testimony of the apostles that points us to the risen Jesus himself. And through God's Spirit, these human words have been speaking a divine word of hope from the first century to the 21st. Each book shows how God, through Jesus and the Spirit, is leading our world to its ultimate goal in a renewed creation. And so the story's end is really the beginning of a new story that is yet to be told. And that's what the New Testament is all about. Whoa.
0: Some of you are like, did your mind wander? Sometimes, and then it comes back and you're like, oh, oh man, there's so many of these things to help you understand, to say, this is what you're reading. It is like, it's, it's incredible, borderline miraculous that that, that all of that works together from start to finish and help to understand what you're reading as you dive in day one. Like if these days it would be about an eight minute video, it'll give you about a two minute reading here real quick. We'll finish this off the um, scripture for some, you know, you go to the next thing you can read it for somebody like, well, well, I just want to read in my Bible. You just can, you know, find it, read it along in here and then click the little button. And some of you are like, well, I don't re- really read very well. We even have answers for you. you mean, yeah, I'll read it to you. <laughs> you have been know they are true. For you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the holy scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. I've never heard that but before. he teaches it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. And at the end, it automatically goes to the part that I think is most um, most important in doing a plan like this is it brings you together with others to talk it over. And to talk it over, you know, it, it, it goes to here automatically. But I want to take you back to to a couple of years ago when I read this plan with some others and just want to show you the benefit of just having a chance to read it and then that day to send something else that's an encouragement to others. Here's here's from two years ago. We got Elizabeth Sandner. She's uh, reading along with us from Germany. And June Udell, who gets everybody hooked on this. And then... This comment, I love how in 2 Timothy 3.17 and then this version, it says the word of God makes us adequate and equipped for every good work, not super spiritual or gifted. He prepares us each individually and uniquely for the individual and unique purpose he has for each of us. His word is the common tool, but the way it shapes and it carries on. Then, you know, even thinking there, like words from Karen Boervage, man, like years later to just, in, again, once be, be reminded of what the Lord was showing her and what a blessing to me even to this day. And then down some questions, uh, you know, some great questions. And then even Chris Stone getting in a few days late. It's still okay because you have the chance to read. Man, I remember that. Some of you were part of that plan. And it was like so encouraging to go through. And so I would encourage you. And then at the end, once you clicked after that, it just asks if you want a reminder. I'd encourage you to take a reminder. Say, yeah, I want to be in this every day because it's what I want to do. And then finally, here's the question. So are you in this year? Are you one of those people who's like, man, I want to know what God, I want to hear his voice. I, I, I really want to hear him speak. I, I, I'm not just want to be one of those Christians, but I actually want to have a relationship with God. Well, then a couple final thoughts. All right. <clears throat> Here's my final three thoughts for you. Number one, some may be offended by the title. Why is it teach a man to fish? That's just not very inclusive. Obviously, the message is for men, women, and children, but I honestly think men need to hear it the most. I, I'm telling you, fellas, the women whoop us in this category. They just do. They're in the word more children. We have children in our, in, in our, in our um, churches who read scripture more than, uh, than, than most men. And uh, so, fellas, this is it today. You know, if, if you're not in the word, man, I'm challenging you. Let's step our game up. It's worth doing. And you're like, yeah, but I'm busy. Second point, the sacrifice is real, but it's worth it. You're going to have to say no to some things, no to Netflix, no to whatever, uh, in order to say yes to this. And that's for all of us. And what do you want more? What do you really want more? You know, the thing is, if you take uh, take the step, you know, one day you will look back and go, man, I'm so glad I did. I'm so glad I did. And then third, start small and finish strong. Start small, but finish strong. You know, some have the Christmas dinner mentality when it comes to this. You get challenged by a message like today, like, I gotta do it all. I'm gonna read the whole Bible this week. And you like end up with spiritual stomach aches. You're like, I gotta gotta do more. This isn't one of those guilt things where you suck, do better. This is that invitation of like, man, would you just take a moment to start small and taste and see, do something manageable. That's why I like the New Testament. It's manageable. And here's the truth. As humans, many of us are gonna start, few will finish. You know, these things, all these plans. I remember starting with 50 people and about 17 finished. Last year, it was like a dozen that started a plan with us and five finished. You can check those things. (laughs) Man, would you choose to be the ones who finish strong to choose to do it? You know, maybe you're ready to tackle like the whole Bible this year, not just the New Testament. If that's you and you want somebody to read with text me, I'd love to do it with you. I'd love to do it with you. And then finally, start today. The best time to plant an oak tree, they say, was 30 years ago. The next best time is today. You know, and you think, well, man, same with reading scripture. The best time to have started reading through the Bible every year was like when you were 10. So add all those years, whatever it may be. That's when the best time was. The next best time, today. And you're like, well, kind of getting old, getting past that and all that. You know, whatever it may be. Let me leave you with this encouragement There's a woman that uh, when I was part of Sweets Corners Church named Hilda Schur. And when we had talked about reading through scripture in a year, Hilda Schur was listening from the back from her regular seat. And she's like, you know what? I'm going to do that this year. I am going to do it. She was 93. (laughs) First time. Read it through the first time at 93. And guess what? She was hooked. She read it from 93 to 101. Times where her eyes just couldn't read anymore. But he said, too, most of the time she was like lapping them. She'd read uh, the Bible one and a half times through every year. Why? Because she had to. She was hooked. Man, don't wait till 93. You have the opportunity today. And so last thoughts, I guess. Number number one, um, well, I'll ask number one later. Number two, would you just do this? Would you just do this for yourself, for others? Would you invite some others to join you today? Would you text some people like, it's kind of a weird text. It's not going to be weird. They know because they heard it today. You know, inviting other people to be a part of it, that we might know him, that we might know his word, and that we might truly grow as his followers, that we in this little church would change the statistic of, at least in Haldeman, Christians read their Bibles. Man, gratefully, gracefully, and growing together. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. I mean that. Man, it messes with us like it does today, but we're grateful for it. Lord, thank you for, uh, for there being truth in a world of confusion. Thank you that it's right here. Lord, thank you for those who gave their lives so that we could have it in English and have the chance to understand it in our own language. But even more, Holy Spirit, thank you for doing what people can and just lighting it up in our hearts, digging right down deep. For those of us this morning who we just know that you're speaking to our hearts, Lord, would, uh, would you help us to be obedient? to you today, and to take those steps and to just decide. And Lord, would you give us strength as we uh, daily face reasons why we don't have time or whatever it may be, that your spirit would continue to draw us to that place. And Lord, may it be not just for our good, but may it be for the good of your kingdom, that others might be blessed and inspired by what you're doing in and through our lives. And may your word go forth from this place to all corners and parts of our county and families and relationships just as a result of this one day father we thank you for that and we give you glory for it we pray this in your name amen amen